Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you. And help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. So Rebecca and I just moved out of a house that we lived in for 15 years, a house that we raised our kids in. We have all kinds of great memories in. And so we were really, really excited uh, to be able to, to get a new home. But at the same time, it's sad. It's sad when you leave a house that you've been in for so long. And, but I remember one of the reasons why we made this decision. Of course, we were empty nesters now, so we wanted to downsize and we wanted to just have a simpler house. But, but one of the things was, was that not long before our kids moved out, my wife and I went over to some other adult friends that we had and we walked in and, and she squeezed my hand and she goes, wow, an adult home. I want one. Adult homes have things like white rugs, <laughs> light color furniture, non-stain resistant uh, of, of carpet. I mean, no, no child locks on the cabinets. That's, that's the kind of things that an adult home has. And so, so we, we put our house up for the market. And, uh, and after being there, as long as we had, we had some equity. So we, we built this house and we built an adult home. And it was so wonderful uh, to be able to have an adult home. But once you get something new, isn't it funny how you get this fear that, oh, I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to scratch it. You get a new car. It's like, oh, I hope I don't get scratches. And I hope I don't, I hope I don't spill anything in here. That would, just, that would just be awful. And so, so we have this fear of messing up new stuff that we get. Now, it's just stuff and things will get messed up. But one of the things that Rebecca wanted in our new house is she wanted one of those iRobots. You've seen the iRobots, you know, the little guys that vacuum and, and they have a little docking station and they'll come out of their docking station. And, now, it's really cool because you can leave, uh, go to work, and come back, and your carpets and your, your floors are just, they're all vacuumed up. It's very cool. We love ours so much that we gave her a name. Her name is Lulu. And I believe that Lulu is English. I believe that Lulu says things like, the floor's dirty, and I must clean it before the roseberries arrive home. Lulu is very smart because you can program her to go and clean the house at certain times. And she's always on time. She's always very efficient. She's always very enthusiastic about her cleaning. It also might be because we are watching a lot of Downton Abbey right now. But Lulu comes out and she cleans and she does this incredible job. Well, just last week, Rebecca, she got, she got really sick. And so she, she teaches school and is school teachers, you know how hard it is to kind of get subs and get all that stuff lined up. So she's like, you know what? I don't feel good today, but I'm going to go in because I've got to get uh, certain things done today. So she went ahead and went in. I went to work and I forgot to let the dog out. Now, our dog does really good until about two o'clock. And then he will have an accident. And Lulu is set to vacuum at three o'clock. <laughs> and Lulu 
does not have poo detecting capabilities. <laughs> Lulu cannot tell the difference between a candy wrapper and a poo. So Lulu went out at three and decided to clean up and ran right into our dog's poo. Now, if you've ever seen an iRobot, you'll notice that they are made like an off-road vehicle. They don't have wheels. They have like all-purpose tires. And so my poor wife comes home. <laughs> I'm sorry, honey. I'm not, I'm not, I don't mean to, I'm not trying to laugh. I'm not laughing. But she comes home and Lulu kind of runs over the poo and then spreads the poo all over the baseboards, all over the floor, all over the whole house. And the poo gets all ground up in Lulu. And I come home and Lulu's on her back being cleaned by Rebecca with a Q-tip and alcohol. Just, I feel she's just like in tears, like this is our new house. And Lulu just spread poo all over it. And so I was like, let, let me help you. So, so, I, so I helped her out. Now I know better. And I take full responsibility. It is my fault that Lulu did what Lulu did. But we have to realize that stuff is going to get messed up, right? We're going to have fears and that kind of thing of things happening. But it's just stuff. And that may not be a fear that is really, really prominent in your life or something that can kind of mess with your life, but we all have those fears. A few years ago, right around the election, we did a message uh, that we want to make available again on five common fears that people have. Uh, and we have it actually in the bookstore. You can go back and pick it up on DVD. We have plenty of copies of it. But fear of, le of the leadership, fear of financial insecurity, fear of war, fear of civil unrest, fear of sickness. And we dealt with those fears uh, in 2016, right before that election. I think when a new election comes up, a lot of times those fears can kind of set back in. So if you need that video, go get that video. It will bless you. But this morning, what I want to do is I want to talk about fears that Christians have. Common fears that Christians have. We all have them. We all may not talk about them, but they may be in the back of our mind and they may erode our thinking. And the first is, is the fear that I'm not pleasing to God. Have you ever, have you ever felt that way? I, mean, I know that that's something that, that I can battle. Just the fear of, God, do you love me? God, are you, are you pleased with me? God, I know what I did last night. I know what I did last week. And it, it wasn't very God-honoring. It wasn't very righteous. Are you okay with me? Well, Romans 8, 15 through 17 says, so you should not be like cowering, fearful slaves. You should behave instead like God's very own children adopted into his family, calling him father, dear father. For his Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts and tells us that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we will share his treasures for everything God gives to his son. Christ is ours too. That's incredible. Everything that he gives to Christ, he's going to give to us as well. And to me, this scripture really resounds when it starts talking about the fact that we were adopted into his family. Now, to me, adoption shows even more love than uh, maybe a natural, uh, 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 a more uh, uh, modern family. But, but with adoption, you actually choose the child. 
A lot of times, it's a normal situation where somebody gets pregnant. The, the, the parents may not necessarily be ready for a child, or maybe they've had five kids and they don't want another one right now. And so they, ha- they get pregnant and it's like, ah, okay, okay, we're going to do it, right? But when you're adopted into a family, that means that you were born and somebody came and they chose you. And that's what God has done for us. He chose us. He adopted us. He wanted us even though he knew everything about us, including every mistake we were ever going to make. But we all spend a large part of our life trying to figure out how to earn that love, how we can please God even more. What, what can we do to make him love us more? What can we do to make sure that we're in good standing with him? And a lot of guilt and shame can come along in our lives that will make us feel like that we're not worthy of God's love. And this really, though, has been a question throughout the centuries because human nature is for us to expect if we want something, we got to give something. If, if you really want it, then you're going to have to sacrifice something to get it. And they were asking this same question to Jesus. And this was Jesus's response in John chapter six, verse 28. He says, what we must do to, uh, what we must do to do the works God requires. They asked in Jesus answers, the works of God is this to believe in the one he has sent. So these people are like, there's gotta be something we gotta do for this to be accepted by God, to please God. There's gotta be something. And he's like, no, 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 no. You just believe. Now, of course, God wants us to live righteously and obey him, but that doesn't affect his love for us. I mean, we want that for all of our kids. But if they don't, it doesn't change the fact that they are our kids. It doesn't change the fact that we love them, even more so with God. Your kid is not going to screw up so bad where he can change the fact that you are his parents. They can't. And it's the same thing when we're adopted into the family of God. Nothing can change the fact that he is our father. And right behavior doesn't produce right relationship with God. But right relationship will produce right behavior. That's the way God looks at it. So he doesn't expect us to try to live a certain way on our own power. He just says, get close to me. If you get close to me and, and we, we spend time together and, we're, and we have a great relationship, then the righteousness just comes. Galatians 2.16 says, And yet we Jewish Christians know that we become right with God, not by doing what the law commands, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be accepted by God because of our faith in Christ, and not because we have obeyed the law, for no one will ever be saved by obeying the law. That's a common problem. It's a common fear. People have been feeling this for hundreds of years, thousands of years. Behavior modification will never bring justification or acceptance before God. It's by faith. Did you catch that? Behavior modification will never bring justification or acceptance before God. It is by faith. God will never love you more than he loves you right now. You can't change something in your life. You can't boot that addiction out of your life. You can't serve him enough to make you, him love you anymore. He loves you. He accepts you. You are pleasing to him. I love this psalm where David talks about the love of God and his acceptance for us. He says uh, in uh, 
Psalms 103.1, praise the Lord, I tell myself with my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, I tell myself, and never forget the good things he has done for me. If you ever wonder if God loves you, think about all the stuff he's done for you. All the good things he has done. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He ransoms me from death and surrounds me with love and tender mercies. Think about this. Think about the fact that when you watch one of those movies on, on a, a child abduction where they, where they do a ransom and those that love the child are supposed to come up with so much money so that they can get the child back. And, and most of the time, those parents are w- willing to give up whatever amount of money it takes to get their child back. God ransomed his son for us. The devil has tried to take us captive. The devil has tried to abduct us. And God says, I will pay for you guys with my son. The highest ransom that was ever, ever asked, God gave for us. That's how much he loves us. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like eagles. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious. He is slow to get angry and full of unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He has not punished us for all of our sins, nor does he deal with us uh, uh, as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him, is a great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our rebellion, rebellious acts, which are transgressions and sins. As far away from us as the east is from the west, which is eternity, the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. He says, when you ask for forgiveness, he throws that sin so far away It is like it is from the east, from the west. It is infinite. And so when we ask for forgiveness and then we come back a day later or a week later or a year later and we're still feeling bad for that same sin, God doesn't even know what you're talking about when you confess it again. He's like, what? You did what? Oh, that's the thing. You you must ask me to forgive it, which I did, which I don't remember it anymore. Stop feeling bad about it. I love you so much that I forgave you of all your sins so that you don't have to worry or fret about them anymore. So maybe it's that. Maybe it's this, you just can't receive God's love. Maybe you you think you have to earn it. Or maybe you're afraid in your life that you're not gonna get what you want. That's another thing Christians are fearful of. We fear that God doesn't really wanna bless us. Or we fear that what we want for our life isn't what God wants for our lives. Well, the Bible is very clear about the fact that God wants our dreams to come true. He just wants to make sure that our dreams don't become our God. So what is your dreams? You may have a dream that you want to start your own business. You may have a dream that God put on your heart that you want to to get married or you want to buy a specific home or you want to have a certain career and God wants to give you the desires of your heart. It is very clear that the Bible says that. We just need to make sure that the dream doesn't become more important than God in our lives. And we have a tendency as people to pursue dreams harder than pursuing the one that has given us the dream and the one that will give us the resources to see the dream come true. Are you willing to give your dreams over to the Lord? 
Because see, that's how it works. God will give us a dream. We go after the dream, but then God wants us to give us the dream back. Because he wants us to know, he wants to know, is the dream what you love or is it, or is it me? Is it your call for your life or is it God's call for your life? When I first started at Fellowship, and I think for most of us that, you know, you, you go through school, you go through college, you were so excited to get out of class and into the workforce. You're so excited to stop paying universities and have somebody start paying you. I mean, it's like this big deal. And so I remember thinking to myself, if I could just get a ministry job, I just want a ministry job so bad. And I also didn't want a ministry job just in a, nor- in a, in a church like I had grown up in. I didn't know that there were churches like this. I had no clue. And so when I found Fellowship Church, I was blown away that you could have a church like we have. I, I, I couldn't even believe it. And so when I got to ask to be on staff here, I, it was a dream come true. In fact, when I was in college, I had a dream and I was living in Louisiana. I had a dream that I would be in this church, didn't know where it was, but actually had a literal dream where I, I saw where I was, saw the people that were there, saw the, the room that I was in, and then it came true for me about eight years later. I, I was in that room. I was with those people. It absolutely blew me away. And when those things start to happen, it causes you to just hold on to what you have so tightly that it's unhealthy. And so what I did is I operated in the fear that I was going to lose my dream. And I operated in, in the fact that I, you know, I couldn't mess up. I couldn't, I couldn't screw up. I couldn't make a mistake. And if I did, I would never take responsibility. That was somebody else's fault. I had to blame somebody else or I had to have an excuse for what had happened because I was so afraid that I was going to lose my job. And it was so clear to me one day, God just came over me and he was just like, Tim, is this your dream or is this my dream for you? And why are you holding it so tightly? And I remember responding to the Lord. I was like, God, I can't lose my job. I have a home now. I have a mortgage. I have, I have a wife. I have kids. If I, if I lose my job, how am I going to provide for them? And it was like he was sitting next to me and he said, wait, 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 wait. The church doesn't provide for you. Pastor Hooper doesn't provide for you. I provide for you. Have I ever let you fall in the past? Haven't I always taken care of you before this? Don't you know I will continue to take care of you in the future? And it was like I had to give God the offering of my dream back to him. And when I did, this flood of peace came over me that was just incredible because I knew that whatever God had for me in the future was better than anything that I could ever imagine. And if he really wanted me to ever leave Fellowship Church, wherever I went would be even better for me. That's how much God loves you. If you're a parent, how much better do you want to see your kids do than you have done? That's, that's, just, that's just parent nature. We want to see our kids have more money than us. We want to see our kids have, be more blessed than us. We want to see our kids more anointed for the Lord than us. It, it does my heart so much more good to see my kids succeed and be blessed than me succeed and be blessed. And that's how God is with us. He loves us so much. He wants to see our dreams come true. And he knows the best timing for those dreams. He knows what you'll need for those dreams. He has the resources to make your dreams come true. He knows the best way to develop your character on the way to your dream. He knows all of that stuff. And he is way more concerned about our character than our comfort. And so he'll bring us through these seasons of our life where we'll grow and we'll be blessed 
and will go struggle to strengthen us but to see our dream come to fruition. That's just how much God cares for us. So there's really no fear then that we should have when it comes to dreams because God's, it's God's dream for us in the first place. All we gotta make sure that we do is we don't try to hold on to it so tightly that it hurts us when our grip is pried open. It's the Lord's in the first place. Number three, and I'm gonna move through this one really quickly, the fear of bad news and trouble. If you want to uh, uh, get that DVD, it will go a little further into this, but this is a common fear, especially with Christians. Psalms 112, 112 7 through 8 says, they do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to, do, uh, to care for them. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. And I love this scripture. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear, even if earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea, we should not fear. Now, for many of us, we fear, oh, am I going to make the mortgage? Oh, no, I got, you know, my kids are freaking out. Oh, no, you know, I don't know, my car just broke down. I mean, those are common fears. But what, what he is saying is that you look at the Mesa and an earthquake happens and it crumbles to the ground in front of us. And we're not fearful. That supersedes any little fears we have, right? God is in control of everything. So what then do we have to fear? Number four. We fear sometimes that our prodigals will never come home. A prodigal is somebody that we love in our life, that we know is making poor decisions, that's going down the wrong road. And we all have friends and we all have family members that we've seen that will make these choices. And we know the choices that they're making are wrong, but we can't seem to do anything to help them not make those choices. And it breaks our hearts when we see people that we love running from God and making poor decisions. But we got to remember that these are God's kids too. And he loves them even more than we do. And he knows what's, what it's going to take to get them back. But we try to fix it. We try to make it better. And we try to have conversations and we, we try to manipulate it. And we try to to make it go the way we want it to go. And God is saying, I have it. I love them. I know where they're at. Give them to me. A lot of times we'll trust God with everything but our kids. We'll trust God with everything but our finances. And God is saying, they're my kids too. But that doesn't mean we don't fight for them. It's just the fight that we have in front of us is different than what we think. We know that we're not dealing with flesh and blood, but of principalities and all these spirits in this dark world. So the only way that we can fight for them is through prayer. And when I was studying for this message this week, I got online and started looking up prayers for prodigals. And there was a young woman who had been a prodigal that had run from God and run from her parents and just gone through all of these horrible, made all these horrible decisions in her life. And, and then she came out of it. And she wrote down the three prayers that her family prayed for her on a, on a daily basis. And this is what they were. And if you have a prodigal in your life, which we all do, please write these down. Number one, 
Pray for a heart of brokenness, no matter the earthly cost. Pray for the heart of brokenness in that, par- in that prodigal, no matter the earthly cost. Which means that the only reason a prodigal ever turns around is they have to hit rock bottom in their life. That's the story of the prodigal son. And his rock bottom was really low. His rock bottom was he was eating the food that pigs ate when he had come from a very loving and blessed family. And that's finally what it took to get him to come back underneath God's authority. But isn't it interesting that everybody's rock bottom is a different level? And I have a sister in my life, and I love her. She has run from God her whole life. And her, I would have hit her rock bottom years ago. And she's still not there. And she's almost 60. But parents, what we have to be careful of, and maybe you have a sister or a brother that you you continually try to help those prodigals. When you pray for brokenness, no matter what the cost, that means that you can't rush in and rescue them when things are not going well for them. You may be messing up God's plan when you do that. Because God will allow things to happen to them while he's still protecting them. He allows things to happen to them to break them, yet he still has them. That's hard for us to understand. Literal hell looks like it's breaking loose in that person's life. And you think, God, where are you? And he's right there. He's got them. He loves them. He's trying to help them. He's trying to grow them because a true prodigal will never come around unless it's by the Holy Spirit changing them. And a lot of times the Holy Spirit isn't allowed in their life unless the person is broken. So she said, my parents prayed that for me every day, that, that, that they would pray that I would have a heart of brokenness no matter what the earthly cost. And guys, when we start praying that, you had better make sure that you don't go into rescue mode everything, every time something bad happens to them. Let God do his work. Number two, I love this one. Pray against the enemy's desire to have them. Have you ever thought about that before? The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's come to steal your prodigal. He's come to kill them. He's come to destroy them. That's what he's come to do. He's got demons on them right now trying to discourage them and knock them out. That's why we just need to pray Jesus' name, I bind the spirit of rebellion in their life and I just ask that you would have them lose interest in my child. Help them to lose interest in my sister or my brother. Help that demon to lose interest in my parents. That you would, you would dissolve the resolve in that demon right now. That you would cause the talons to, that it has its grips in, 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 in my child's life, that those talons would just disintegrate in Jesus' name. If you can pray that your enemy's will is broken, you're going to win the battle. So in Jesus' name, break the will of the demons that are messing with those that I love in my life. Help them to give up in Jesus' name. Help them to get weary in Jesus' name. Help them to want to quit in Jesus' name. Discourage them in Jesus' name to, well, they'll want to quit. 
She said, my parents prayed that for me every day. And then she said they prayed specific scriptures over her life every day. The sword of the spirit is our only offensive weapon against the enemy. And if we will use that on a daily basis, it is remarkable what it will do. So we need to pray in Jesus' name. Your word says that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. In Jesus' name, that weapon, no weapon formed against my child will prosper. Lord, you say that we're not supposed to have the spirit of fear. In Jesus' name, bind the spirit of fear that is attacking those that I love. Use scripture. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's a promise. If this isn't true, then the rest of Scripture can't be true. We know the Bible is true. We know the Scripture is true. We know that we know that this verse is literal. So if God said it, if the Bible says it, then it is true, and we need to use that weapon against the enemy. The, the devil is a liar. We need to show him the truth. devil you know how I trained my kids you know how I brought them up and according to his word they're going to come back you may have them now devil but you're not going to keep them in Jesus name use the scripture against the enemy and she said every day my parents did this and she came back to the Lord there's a great website called ibelieve.com And on ibelieve.com, there are 30 scriptures to pray for your children. 30 scriptures we need to be praying every day. Not only for our kids, but for those that are running from God, that God would bring them back and bring them back wholly and bring them back fully under his authority. Now, these fears, there's one common issue that we have when it comes to those fears. There's one thing that we do that causes us to keep those fears in our life. And that one thing is control. Control. We want to control everything. We want to fix everything. We want to control our relationship with the Lord. So we say things like, well, I got to do this or God will be upset with me. Well, I got to do this. God won't love me. Well, I better live this way or God won't love me. Right? So we, we try to control the relationship. We try to control the relationship with God. We try to earn his love. We try to control our future. We try to manipulate his plan. We try to control our situation. We try to keep things from happening. We try to control the people that we love. We try to live other people's lives. We control. And God is saying, give me control. He looks at us and goes, you guys can't drive. You suck at it. Like, give me the wheel, right? I got you. I got them. I got the problems. I got the troubles. If you'll just give them to me. He wants us to be reliant on him. He never looks at us and says things like, ah, I'm just so tired of dealing with your issues. I'm so tired of your problems. No, he goes, bring it to me. Bring it to me because I can handle it. We can't. And when we relinquish control, the scripture says that what we're supposed to do in Psalms 55, 22 is cast our cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. 
Now, this is a picture of how they used to fish in the Old and New Testaments. And when they would cast or when they would fish, they had these nets. And these nets were these big round nets. And on the edge of the nets were these heavy weights. And so the, the fishermen, whether they were fishing from the shore or they were fishing from the boat, they would get this net all situated. It would have all the weights on there. And they would get it and they would cast that net out into the water. And it would fly in this really cool saucer shape and it would hit the water and it would sink to the bottom. And if you didn't know you had thrown it there, you would never know it was there. So that is supposed to be a visual image of what we do. We cast those fears, we cast those cares, we cast them out into the water and they hit and they sink to where we can't see them anymore. But God can see them. God's got them. Our only responsibility is we just got to give them to him. So what I want us to do this morning is I want us to stand up and I want us to do a little battle warfare while we're here together. And I want to ask you this morning, what is it that you're fearful of? And what is it that you can't relinquish control of? Ask yourself that question. And it may not be one of these fears. It probably is because we all have them. But it may be something else. And I want you to think about that fear. And I want us to cast it onto the Lord. Okay, so whatever it is. And I pray, Holy Spirit, right now that you would just show us what it is. What are we stressed out about? What are we fearful of? Is it our health? Is it somebody else's health? Is it our job? Is it our finances? And visually right now, whatever it is, I want you to think about setting that in a net on a boat. And then I want you to picture yourself on that boat or on that shore I want you to pick that net up. And I want you to see yourself visually casting that thing into the water and then watching it sink. Lord, we give you everything. We relinquish control and Right now, I just want you to tell the Lord out loud, I relinquish control to you. I give you all my fears. I give you all my worries. And I ask that you would take them. And I choose to trust you with them. I trust you with my relationship with you. I trust you with my dreams. I trust you with my fears. I trust you with the prodigals in my life that I love so much. Because I know you love them too. In Jesus' name. So this morning, if you would say, I've got some fears. 
and I've got some struggles and I, I want a little bit more. I want you to pray over me. Would you just be honest? Raise your hand. So Lord, you see the hands that are up right now. And I pray in Jesus' name right now that you would bind the spirit of fear in every one of their lives. That you would bind those fears up, that you would cast them out of these, of these people that you love in Jesus' name. That you would come against them with everything that you have. You would do warfare on our behalf. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would lose your peace in this room like we've never felt before. Let us know you have us, God. Show us how much you love us. And help us trust in you. We love you, God. We praise you. You are so good to us. To remember these words. Help us to fight the enemy the way we're supposed to. And help us to relinquish control always. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give him a praise offering. God, you're so awesome. You're so worthy. We love you so much. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10.9. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my Savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this, in your precious Son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.